Today we're talking about how to not get in the way of growth. And mm -hmm. yesterday we really talked about embracing growth and embracing change. And uh, kind of one of the things that we talked about was the, the very first principle is that the Lord wants us to grow. Yeah. He, he, and the reason he wants us to grow is he wants to bless us. Yeah. But how can we be blessed? How can we be blessed more than what we are if we don't grow to that place? Mm -hmm. And how can we grow if we don't change? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And But what we find is how many people's flesh likes to change. <laughs> that's right exactly they it doesn't it doesn't their our flesh doesn't like changing yeah. but if we don't change then we don't grow and if we don't grow uh then we're not going to get into the blessing and we're not going to fulfill the destiny that god actually wants for us right yeah. he wants us to have a very blessed destiny uh but we've got to be willing to change we've got to be willing to grow and when we see that, many times people think that God's sitting up there, he's waiting to strike us down like he's mad at us all the time. That's not what the Bible shows yeah. us at all. It actually shows when Jesus came on the scene, he even sent angels that said, hey, this is going to be great news, good news for all the people with whom he's pleased. For all the people with whom he's pleased. Jesus gave uh, us access to God being pleased in our life as we accept him. He's not sitting there looking to strike us down. He's not sitting there looking to condemn us. He's actually looking to save us. A lot of times we'll quote John 3.16, but John 3.17 says he didn't come to condemn the world, yeah. but to save the world. And But yet in our corrupted flesh, many times we, we are so negative in that way. Like we're just almost expecting God to you know be mad at us mm -hmm. we're expecting that and because we're expecting that that's what we get uh, and you see that in the parable of the sower where the first two guys they took the they took the coins and they multiplied them but the last guy what really was wrong with the last guy was not what he did or didn't do with the talents or the parable of the talents that said <laughs> the sower parable of the talents it's not really what he did or didn't do with the talents. It was his approach towards God, yeah. his heart towards God. He saw God as a hard man in that parable. God represented the, the boss there. And he said, you're a hard man. And he said, you're going to be judged basically off of how you judged me. Yeah. And out of your own heart, you're going to receive that judgment. Well, if we're looking at God, we're seeing him as harsh. And we're not seeing correction as a blessing, then we're going to receive harsh. It's always going to be hard, and we're never going to enjoy correction. We're never going to change. That means we're never going to move into the blessing. Yeah. And we talked about you know the verse where it talks about that love corrects. There he goes. There he is, Kevin. <laughs> There's we Kevin. Hear you. <laughs> love corrects, rebukes and exhorts in that way. And we said, and one of the things that we defined yesterday was love Love will correct. Love will show you what path is right and what path is wrong. The rebuke is because a lot of times, and we, we talked about this yesterday, the rebuke comes in. It's not like, you know, he's telling you how bad you are. 
He's showing us where we've missed it. So we can know what path is right or wrong. We gave the example of, have you ever gone up for prayer and you knew that you should apply faith, but then as time went on, you found out that when you went up there, you actually weren't in faith, right? We've all had it. So you knew faith was the right place, but you might not have known that you weren't in faith. And so love shows us what the right path is, but the rebuke is showing us that, hey, you're not on it right now. So, for example, with the disciples, he says, oh, ye of little faith, right? He was not only, they knew they were supposed to have faith, but they didn't know that they were missing faith. And he was rebuking them, showing them how they were off track from what was right. So it's a separate thing. You can know what's the right track and think you're on it when you're actually not. The rebuke identifies where we've missed it, okay? Uh, The correction shows us what's right and wrong. The rebuke shows us when we're missing it in that way. But then I love the last part is he exhorts us. And so the exhortation strengthens us to get on that right path. So he identifies the right path, whether we're on it or not, and then strengthens us to get on it if we need to. That's what love does. Mm -hmm. Love doesn't leave us alone, but it opens up that destiny to us and opens up opens up everything and all the promises of God. This is, this is where we want to live. We want to live in that place where we are receiving that correction. So I'd like for Buddy, will you pull up that scripture, uh, the, the one is two that we talked about yesterday real quickly, where we're looking at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 1, yeah. and uh, the couple of things that there was the second scripture, maybe Proverbs 16 or Psalms. Yeah. Um, Proverbs 12, verse 1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> the translation is that's the New American Standard. The New American so that's Standard. That's word for word. That's word for word. Yeah. Wow. Will you put that in the comments. <laughs> the person who hates reproof is stupid. Mm-hmm. Man. That's scripture. <laughs> that is. Oh, my goodness. I just, I don't know why I haven't heard this talked about so much. (laughs) Like that. So we have this idea that that God's just going to, you know, like, okay, I know you didn't mean to, but you kind of missed it here, you know. And Mm -hmm. and then he pulls out, you know, Proverbs 12, 1, like, nah, if you you don't like reproof, you're stupid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are God's words. Yeah, those are God's words. Like, that's, ooh. And then, you know, because I've had people, you know, are you telling me I don't have faith? Yes. Yes, I am. I am telling you that. But they're like, you don't tell me I don't, you don't know if I have faith. And they're all upset. It's like, well, no wonder it's not working for you, you know. No wonder you're out of it. <laughs> but because it's a condition of the heart. Faith works by the heart. And you yeah. start to see that. We and, and this is the issue. People don't like being talked to like that. And truthfully, we've been pampered. In this, we've been pampered when it comes to correction, and uh, that's why when we first started the church, I was like, Lord, send me military minded people because they've been corrected a lot and yelled at even when they don't mess up. So, you know, when they actually do mess up, they'll actually listen, and uh, it makes it easier to go forward because people say, Oh, okay, I need to fix this, and they're not broken because they're corrected or because they miss it, they don't crumble into pieces because they've been yelled at so much in like boot camp or whatever. So it helped to have kind of a core team that would work and function like that and think like that. 
And they don't have to be military, but it, we need to get to the place, the Bible does say be like a good soldier, but we need to get to the place where we don't crumble under correction. Because if we do, we're not being smart with it. We've got to get to the place where we see cor- correction as truly a blessing. Yeah, It's a blessing because it's allowing us to go forward. And if we don't receive correction, we will go backward. Yeah. And so we can't allow... Uh, things to stunt our growth and our change and and stunt correction. And many times that thing that stunts it is ourselves and the people that are closest to us. Yeah, I used to be so bad yeah. with that. Like, I'm pretty sure I got offended at myself if I corrected myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> I understand that. Like, what was that second scripture? Uh, it's Proverbs 15.10. Uh, the first half says, Grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. And then it says this, he who hates reproof will die. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so intense. That's the NASB still. So Can you, that's word now, for word. <laughs> uh, here, here's what I want you to see. You notice our response to that? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? That means we're not used to that kind of talk. Yeah. yeah. Which means our mind is actually not renewed to the word. Yeah. And that's where our society is. And so, you know, when I'm, y'all hear me say some stuff sometimes, <laughs> Greg, don't be stupid, don't die. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. He, he just simplified, he boiled it down, right? Five words, don't be stupid, don't die. <laughs> Receive correction. I mean, I don't want to die, so I'm yeah, going to listen to that's that. That's good. But you'll see me sometimes kind of say some things and everybody's like, golly, I can't believe you said it. Well, the Lord kind of is like that. You know, that's exactly what Jesus told the disciples, like, oh, ye of little faith. They were in a life or death situation. They thought they were going to die. And as soon as they come out of it, Jesus is like, Why, why'd you worry? Like, that, that's crazy. <laughs> why'd you do that? <laughs> y'all, you got such little faith. Like, I thought y'all were disciples or something. You know, <laughs> like, that's kind of where he's going. And, and everybody be like, oh, my gosh, they were in a life or death situation. And he's like, yeah, I don't want you to be there again. I want you to come through those yeah. things. That's why he's telling you, I'm giving you correction so you don't die next time when I'm not here on the boat with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and also what that shows, too, is I think the uh, lack of um, humility to see that our errors could have consequences. Yes. Because this is what, what he's saying is, I don't want you to die, so don't be stupid. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, he's, say, oh my, he's just saying, don't be stupid. And it's like, <laughs> no, he's trying to keep us from dying. Yes. And that's the reality. It's helpful. Yes. But if we're so prideful and like nothing I do is going to mess me up, then we're, actually, we're not going to see the warning in Great that. We're just going to think, oh, that's attacking me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's pride. That's our flesh. And, uh, you know, I think all of us have had that at some point. But what that's literally telling us to do in context is get used to correction, embrace the correction, and you will find that your life, and what we said yesterday is when we receive correction, then the ceiling comes comes off, you know? And so what's been holding us back won't hold us back anymore if we will get out of the way of the working of God to grow us and take us to those levels. But we truly have been pampered in our feelings. We're very comfortable in our society. Uh, We don't have people that talk to us like that. You're actually starting to see that turn and come back now. Even some of the popular, like, 
podcasts and stuff like that. It's people that are just, they're being kind of brutally honest. And you're seeing that increase because people realize we went too far. You know, we've gone too far in this. We need some truth. And so you're starting to see people do that and and receive that. And if we will do that, we legitimately move into our eternal destiny that God's had planned for us the whole time. Because think about this. If I don't receive the correction of God, how will I ever fulfill what he's called me to do? Because who of us is where we need to be in terms of eternity? What are, is any of us on the level that we need to to fulfill our etern, eternal destiny? And the answer is no. So if that's the answer, then obviously we have to receive that correction to fulfill that. And so then the question is, how many people want to truthfully fulfill your eternal destiny in Christ? Yeah. And I would think most of the people that would be watching this broadcast, you know, I want to I fulfill that. I want to stand in front of Jesus and have well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be pleasing in his sight. And if you want to do that, but not only that, but you're blessed when you do that. There's blessings here and then. So if you want to be blessed here in this world and in eternity and stand in front of Christ, fulfill your destiny and be pleasing in his sight, it's a must to embrace correction. It's a must. And so if we're going to embrace correction, it doesn't need to be something. Remember, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, not just obedient. So if we're going to embrace correction, we want to not just be obedient to it. We want to be willing in our heart for that correction. That means when correction comes, we need to get to the place where we don't go embrace because we we have this negative stereotype of correction. But we literally are getting to the place where we say, oh, good, correction. That just gave me room to grow. What a blessing. And when we can get to that place, we can really soar. I mean, we can really soar. And, uh, man, I'm looking for people that, that will, all right, I'm not, you, know, you might not say I'm there yet, but I'm heading there. I'm going after that, and I'm going to embrace correction on that level. And that's, that's the kind of people that the Bible is looking for. And that's, we talked about that verse, you know, I think Second Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth to see whose heart is pure towards him, which means I'm willing to change whatever I need to to become like you. I'm willing to receive correction that he, God, yeah. might show himself strong on your behalf, yeah. on your behalf, on your behalf. He's looking for somebody that's willing to do that. The question is, will it be you? Will it be us? And I want it to be us. I want it to be you. I want it to be you because if you can do that, which he's given you the power to do, it's just a choice, then, man, we can really soar in life and in eternal things. And, man, I look forward to watching. You know how much much pleasure I will have— uh, at the white throne judgment, and Jesus has you standing in front of him, and he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I promise you, if, if this is able to be done, I'm going to be over there boo-hoo crying in joy <laughs> for your uh, awards in front of Christ. That's what I want to see. Like, that's an award to me, and I want to see that. Like, oh, man, it's tearing me up now, so y'all talk real quick. <laughs> 
or else. Well, uh, Hannah asked a good question, and but I know you wanted us to talk, so I can. I Go can, ahead. Like, Hannah's question was, uh, can you covet correction in the same way you would the gifts? Um, I I don't see any problem with that. I think that I think uh, I don't know, I don't know that coveting is the best word for it, but I think being willing and obedient is probably the best. That I'm I'm not necessarily looking to be corrected every single day, but I'm not against it. I'm I'm willing if correction from the Lord comes, I am I am willing to receive that and I will be obedient to it. So um and maybe it is the right word. I just don't know from Scripture. I think being willing and obedient would be the best way to term that uh, at this point, and as far as my knowledge goes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. But I think being willing and, and ready to run with that, I think that's a huge, huge point uh, that we've we have so transitioned the core of who we are that. We are instantaneously willing for that correction. You know, yeah. I don't like being wrong, but I, I'd rather uh, have my reputation in the world soiled and be in the image and likeness of Christ much more than I care about that reputation. And uh, I don't want to be wrong. I want to, you know, strive uh, to be like the Lord. You know, I'll not not in a toiling way, but I want to put effort godly effort towards being like him, which I think is uh, godly, of course. But um, I, I want to make sure that I am not leaving things on the table, you know, and make make sure that when correction comes, I am quickly, I am quickly ready to receive uh, that. So, amen. Nicole said, we should hunger and expect to grow daily like Luke 2.52 uh, if it's through correction, super. If it's one of the many ways, uh, it's just one of the many ways that God will help us to grow. So, amen. So, in that vein, I want us to jump here. And I want, I, I wrote some things yesterday. So, God wants our life to get better. He wants our life to change, to grow. But sometimes we have and we can block that healthy growth, Okay. But then it says this, uh, I wrote this, from love, he corrects, but he still allows our choice. So he'll correct us. He'll show us the right path, tell us where we're missing it, and, and strengthen us to get there. He'll correct us, but he still, he doesn't make us do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a big point because love is going to show us where love is and what love can do and the blessing that goes along with love, but love's not going to make you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we still have to choose to go along that path. Yeah. And uh, I, I wrote this question, have you ever seen someone making bad choices and someone else is trying to save them without the initial person's heart changing? Yeah. So you know, somebody's making wrong choices, God's leading them to correction, and then you have somebody else who feels bad for them, and so they try to save them. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, if they save them from that correction, and the, the person's heart doesn't change, they've actually done them a great disservice. 
yeah. uh, what we would call enabling. And I, and I wrote, they'll go right back to the problem again because they haven't, their heart is the same and they haven't changed their heart. Yeah. And so one of the things that we're looking at today is, you know, how not to get in the way of growth. And one of those areas is we need to make sure that, and I've said this multiple times, don't save people from the conviction of God. Yeah. Don't save people from the conviction of God. Uh, many times you will see seed time and harvest taking place in a person's life and God's convicting that person like the prodigal son. Prodigal son, uh, in I think it's Luke 16, um, he goes out, he spends all that. Obviously, he's, he's doing some worldly stuff. And once he does all that, he ends up in the pig pen. And um, he's looking at the food that the pigs are eating with longing eyes. Yeah. Like he, he's so hungry like the food that he's feeding the pigs, the food he's feeding the pigs looks good, right? And so in that moment, he's sitting there like, this looks really good, and it's awful. Like, can you imagine me? I've, I've fed pigs before. I don't know if you've been around a pig pen. It's a stinky place. Like, it's not, it's not a place where you're thinking about, you know, eating. Yeah. You're not thinking about that. It's gross. Yeah. And they root, they got mud everywhere, it's sick, it's gross. And here's, here's the prodigal son looking at this food going, oh, that looks good. Yeah. Now, why is he there? He's there because he made some bad choices. Obviously, the correction of the Lord is there because we know that eventually he wakes up on his own and he says, look, even the servants got it better than this back yeah. in my father's house. Even the servants do. So the Holy Ghost is helping him. He's trying, and that's what he needed to do is to wake up. And, and we don't have a record of this, but we can see it in context. Anybody that would come by there and give him a meal simply enabled him to stay in the place of bondage and prolonged his waking up. They prolong that, and they would actually be, uh, well, look at him. He's just so hungry. And, but that's the point when you have to ask the Lord, Lord, do you want me to do anything about this? And you know what? Sometimes the Lord says no. Why? In that case, not because he doesn't want them blessed, but what they need is not another meal. They need to wake up. Yeah. And their hunger physically can wake them up, right? Yeah. Um, you see that uh, even in the New Testament, he says, we gave this one person that wouldn't stop you know, committing some sin. He said, we gave them over uh, that their body might be destroyed, that their spirit would be saved, right? In other words, they need to wake up to who they are, and there's a conviction of the Lord that they are not paying attention to. He's not in that pig pen uh, because God wasn't correct him. He's in the pig pen because he wasn't listening to conviction. And, and sometimes our feelings, not the leading of God, can actually stop growth and get in the way of growth yeah. of people mm -hmm. because you stop them from receiving conviction. So many, I see this many, many times. And yeah. I see this many times in church because you'll have people that will not commit to a church. They won't go to church. They're not looking to help themselves, but they want the church to pay their bills when they constantly run into problem. The problem is they're going to keep running into those problems 
because they're not giving themselves to the process of the Lord, and they're, they're not doing it. And so when the church just just feels every need, which is not what the Bible in full context preaches, if the church feels every need that comes across their doorstep, then they're actually enabling that person, and they are blocking the conviction of the Lord, and they're actually stopping growth in that person. Yeah. And they're, they're keeping that person from growth by giving the handout if God hadn't told them to give the handout. And so anytime we're looking at charity, we're always seeking, Lord, Lord, do you want us to give this at this moment? I've had the same person, and sometimes the Lord said, I want you to give it to him. I've had it where he said, no, I don't want you to give it to him this time. And I don't know everything that's going on, but I know the Lord does, so I have to yield to his wisdom. And uh, some people would say, well, doesn't it say, you know, if there's a poor that you need to feed them and give them drink and everything? It does say that. But it also gives us like the widows. Uh, it says, help the, them that are widows indeed. In other words, they don't have family to help. They don't have this. So if there's a, the availability for others to help or them to help themselves, it, it shows on the widow that they're past the age of work. Mm -hmm. So if there's an ability, the context of the Bible shows, if there's an ability to work and help themselves and they're not helping themselves, that's the person you don't help. You know, and that's what in the context says the man who doesn't work doesn't eat, yeah. right? But then you also see in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, it says, even if I uh, give all my possessions to the poor and have not love. So I can give com continuously to the poor and be outside of God, outside of love, right? And he says, it profits you nothing, but it can also hurt that person because you're enabling them and you're stopping growth in their life. What did God want to do? Did he want to just give one meal to the prodigal son? No. No, what did he want? He wanted him to wake up, go back home, and put the ring on his finger again. Let him be a son with all the fixings, right? Yeah. Have the feast. Have all of that stuff. And that's what God wanted for him. But he couldn't do it while the son decided, I want to be in this pig pen until he woke up. Yeah. What he needed was not another meal. He needed to wake up. Yeah. And many times we are, think about this. I, I want you all to think about one or times where you have seen, or maybe you've done this. I've done this multiple times where I see somebody struggling. I just want to help them. And, and it really wasn't God to help them. I got in the way of their growth because I felt like giving them worldly charity, but not actually spiritual from God charity. Yeah. How many have y'all seen situations like that? Yeah. And uh, what's some s specific ones that you might have seen? Be thinking about that. But yeah. that's I, I watch many times. I'll watch parents do this because they really feel for their kids, and they'll save them from correction. Think about it today. Uh, think about this. The teacher is having trouble with, you know, a child at school. And the parents come and they will just ream the teacher out because how dare they correct my kid. And they're trying they think they're saving their kid. They think they're serving their kid. They're actually giving them the opposite of love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've watched that now. And even in church, I've watched like, how dare you don't talk to my kid like that? I'm like, your kid was a brat. Like, your kid was a brat. 
How, how dare you let your kid be that way and now defend his actions and save him from the conviction that God is actually trying to get him? And you as a parent ought to understand that. So we can't get in the way of that correction because if you do, you're, as soon as you get in the way of God's correction, you are legitimately putting a ceiling over that destiny for that yeah. person, and they will not be able to go past that until they receive correction personally. Yeah. Um, there was someone that I knew, and I always felt so bad for them because I'm like, they're all alone, and they would say, I'm all alone. You know, I have, you know, my family is this yeah. and that, and then people and blah, blah, blah. And they'd always talk about how they're all alone. So I'd always feel bad for them. I'm like, oh, yeah. I want to be there for them and help them until I realized one day they're all alone because they're pushing away godly people. Like, there are godly people. Yeah. Godly, there were godly pastors, godly leaders, all these people reaching out to this person yeah. to try to help them, and they were rejecting every single effort of help. And I'm looking at it with worldly eyes, with emotion, with an emotional viewpoint. Oh, I don't want them to be alone. Yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, man, just... And that's the thing where I, I found people who are... Um, not listening to correction, they'll often talk in a way that makes you, if you're not wise, if you're not That's discerning, right. they'll talk in a way that it's, it's their flesh and it's deceitful. Yes. So they'll tell like half the story. Yeah. Or, you know, and even this happens, I think. Um, They're, they are legitimately deceiving themselves. Yeah. And they won't come out of it until they wake up. And if they're deceiving themselves, yeah. what they're saying is going to be deceiving you. They're, yes, because they're, they're believing to. the lie, and they're gonna what they're believing. They're gonna pass yeah. on this truth, yeah. even though it may not be. I've seen that with people, um, not just people who are pushing correction away, but when they get corrected, and then yeah. they tell you, like I'm sure you've seen this a lot of like, oh man, this person corrected me, and they were just off, and like they did yeah. this, and you know, oh they're just so mean, and yeah. you know the other day they said something that I was like, man, that's not even right, and. And they'll yeah. tell you this story, and it's like trying to trying to get you to pity them and feel yeah. bad for them when actually they needed that correction, and you should not be listening to what they're yeah. what they're twisting the story that they're twisting. You know, most people that I've seen over the years, not just here but other places, that have wrongly left the church, reached a point of correction that they weren't willing to go into. And so because they weren't willing to go into it or they thought it was wrong, they said no, and they're subconsciously, subconsciously a lot of times, they started to defend themselves or not properly judge themselves. Remember the word says judge yourself lest you be judged. So they stopped that process, and literally their own, their own lack of judgment started judging them. And they end up being in a bad place. Well, then when subconsciously they try to defend themselves, what they end up doing is everybody else is wrong. I'm right. And so now here's this authority figure, pastor, telling me that I need to work on this. And like, I just don't believe him anymore. And before long, they, that wedge becomes what, what is he saying that's true? Nothing he's saying is true because subconsciously their flesh is trying to defend itself, and yeah. they literally, that first little deception and a lack of humility leads to more and more and more and more. And what's very interesting is I this, this, this like, just bewildered me 
for years. I just could not see this, but you'll see it in the Bible, what I'm about to say. It's really, really interesting. So then you get to a place where that, so what they're doing is they're rejecting correction. Mm -hmm. It's kind of happening below the surface, but when they allowed it in their heart, it opened up the door for it to feel their thoughts and then take over all of their thoughts like, no, I'm not wrong, they're wrong. And that, of course, is not humility at all. Mm -hmm. um, you should always be willing to say, um, I could have missed it. It's possible. As long as you have this flesh that's not glorified yet, yeah. it's, it's possible. I'm not saying that you are wrong. I'm saying you need to, and you don't need to confess that I'm always wrong. You're not always wrong. But you do need to confess that it's a potential because as long as you, and that's what First John uh, chapter 1 basically says, if you say that you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. In other words, and in context, what that means is if you say that you've gotten to a place where you can't miss it, you're already missing it. You're already deceiving yourself. Well, this is the most interesting point of it is most everybody that I've seen in, you know, in Boomerang that's left and it's been wrong We've sat down and had a, had a conversation, and in the conversation, they say, and they get a revelation, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Almost everyone. And there's a reason for it. But then they go away, and they fall right back into deception, and before long, they leave. And, and the issue is they didn't want to receive correction. They got in pride thinking that they're right, and then all of a sudden, they, they leave, and they actually unplant themselves where God planted them, and then things go wrong. I mean, life goes bad. I've seen, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen it. It hurts my heart. But the interesting point to me is, how can they be deceived? Then we have a conversation, and they say, uh, you know what, you're right, and I'm wrong, and then go away and follow the wrong thinking. Like, how is that possible? And it bothered me, and it bothered me until a few years ago, uh, I was like, Lord, what is going on here? And and one of the things I knew was that when they come under an anointing, the anointing uh, breaks those yokes of deception. It breaks the bondage of deception. The anointing clears things up. And and when they're when they're under an anointing, it'll help to clear that up. I'm not saying that they will receive. You can be under an anointing and not receive it. But at least that's the way that it can work if they'll receive it. And many times they will receive it in a meeting like that. And so they receive, and the anointing clears it up. They see things clearly, and they, in that clarity, they say, you know what, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm, I can see that. And I've had them crying, like, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. You're right. And then minutes later, days later, a couple of weeks later, they fall back into that deception and leave. The very thing that they said was wrong. It's like, how can that happen? But the issue is, the reason that they're deceived is they've not created an environment of anointing around their home and their speech and their thinking. And so they come into an anointing and it becomes clear, but because they've not set that habit and that presence and that atmosphere at their own home. They've, they've stepped into speaking the wrong things, not taking their thoughts captive, 
They get out from that anointing that the pastor brought to the meeting, and then all of a sudden that that clarity goes away, and they're back in the deception again. And in the Bible, you see this very clearly. This process happens uh, between King Saul and David right before he becomes king. So twice, uh, King Saul's chasing David, who never wanted to hurt King Saul. He never wanted to take his throne. Had he wanted to take his throne, it would have been very easy because in both these situations, he got close enough to kill Saul. And he had his men saying, kill him, kill him, kill him. Like, David, kill him, right? And that's what his men were telling him. His counselors, his, his wise men were saying, kill him. He's trying to kill you. You need to kill him. You got the opportunity to do it, do it, do it, <laughs> kill him. That's what, his, that's what his wise counsel is telling him. But David didn't want to take his throne. And I love this. This this is what I believe makes David the great king, is he didn't want to take his throne, and he wasn't going to take the throne in the wrong way. He was going to do it the right way. Because he could have killed him and just taken it. Easy, multiple times. But here, I want you to see this. King Saul, who the anointing had left, and he had deceived himself thinking that he was something, and not receive correction, comes into the presence of the one who's actually anointed to be king, comes into the presence of the anointing of King David. And in that anointing, clarity comes. When King David speaks and the anointing is flowing out of him, King Saul sees it. Clarity comes. He goes, oh, David, I've wronged you. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't see it. I have been wrong." And then a week later, he's chasing David again, trying to kill him. Not just leave the church. He's trying to kill him. Yeah. So deceived, he's become a murderer out of that deception and not willing to receive correction. And so it's a biblical principle. It's a spiritual principle. So how important is it for us to yield and keep humility all the time and not block that, not block that correction? Yeah, well, you're talking about the anointing there. Um, we've been at Boomerang here. We've been having Wednesday night services, talking about getting yeah. in his presence. And, and I know a couple weeks ago uh, we were talking about the the word, like getting healed by the word getting versus the anointing. Yeah. Now, the anointing is really uh, important, you're saying, for deception to break all that and people not having anointing in their home and stuff. But how would you just... to I'm sure it's a simple answer, but how would you recommend people are making sure that their home has the anointing in, and their everyday life has the anointing in that way? Well, they, they need to purpose themselves to walk in that anointing and carry that. And, of course, you know, that, that involves walking in godliness you know, and accepting his way. But one of the major ways is to take thoughts captive. If it's not leading you to triumph... If it doesn't make you lift your hands in praise, you don't need to keep thinking on it. Yeah, like you just don't need to keep thinking on it. There's, um, you've got us. We we have to stop, you know, meditating on things that are not a promise of God. Yeah. If it's not a promise of God, we have to stop that because that negative thing. In every one of the cases that I've seen, people with the most gifting spiritual giftings that I've ever seen uh, that have messed up have almost always messed up because somewhere they didn't take their thoughts captive. Mm -hmm. They didn't know the word, they didn't spend time with God, and they didn't take their thoughts captive. Those are some major items 
which are some very simple things that he tells us to do, uh, but we've got to know what's promised to us and what's not promised to us. We got to spend time in the presence of God. In Him we live and move and have our being. Uh, many times when people mess up, they've not been spending any time with God. They've not been listening to anointed preaching. They've not been worshiping. They've not been thanking Him. They've not been praying in the Spirit, praying without ceasing. They've not been spending time with God. And uh, and if you do that, or you don't do that, you're almost assuredly going to be meditating on thoughts that you shouldn't be meditating on. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a major. But also, you know, like for example, this. Yeah, Ab- Abigail, that's a great statement. She says, a victim mentality is a killer. And you're, she's right. That's a horrible thing to take a hold of. Like, well, it's everybody else's fault. I'm just a victim. Like, no, you've been granted everything pertaining to life and godliness. You have the ability and the authority to take charge and occupy till Jesus comes. He's given you every, he's granted and blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Ephesians 1, 3, and 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, you've got everything that you need. We have everything that we need. we got to stop taking the identity of the victim, and we got to start, we've got to start putting on praise, the garment of praise, putting on uh, the victorious Christ, and in him we live and move and have our being. He's always leading us Christ. we got to take him by the hand and do it his way. Um, those are things we, we must do. We yeah. must do. But if we will come to the revelation that correction is not bad, yeah. it's like what we said yesterday, just because you're getting corrected doesn't change your value. Yeah. It may say that you've not been as fruitful or productive in the past up to this point, but correction opens up that fruitfulness. But your value is the same. That value was set at Calvary when Christ paid his life, the value of something is set by the purchaser. He purchased us with his life. Our value is always set, and we took it. You know, yesterday I showed you. You know, I took a $100 bill, and I crumpled it up. I stumped it under my feet, but people still wanted it. Why? Because even though it had gone through some stuff, and it needed to be straightened out and corrected out, out of its form of being crumpled up, it's still worth 100 bucks. And we're still worth the the life of Christ because he set the value, but we may need some straightening out. Yeah. Right? I just think it's so cool that a couple days ago I was asking you about it. Uh, Maybe, I think it was a couple days ago, how when you're correcting someone, you don't get into a motion of, like, getting upset at them or getting mad at them. After the fact, it's done, it's over, and let's go get ice cream. Yeah. But then yeah. also in this, on the flip side, so you're not saying, you're not getting mad at them emotionally, but on the flip side, if someone needs correction, you're not getting swayed emotionally by what they have to say or that they're, I'm sure there are so many times where, like, someone's just crying and they're trying to be like, I'm just, this is, this is so hard, and you just, I don't like this, and you, and you have to be strong with them. Like, so often, not yeah. get swayed by yeah. their emotion, you know? <laughs> Kevin, I still want that $100 bill, just saying. <laughs> it's already been given. <laughs> um, so, there's, uh, well, you know, we, we've kind of come down to, I love what the Buma chick is, the ladies, the ladies line has said, is that, uh, you know, Feel is a four-letter word, you know. Feeling, living by feelings is a cuss word, you know. Yeah. 
That's really something we need to adopt because this society has been taught to live by our feelings. Yeah. And that is not God. Feelings can be good. They can also be bad. But he never told us to live by them. We live and we move by the Spirit of God. The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. So uh, when we are receiving correction, we can't live by what we feel. Yeah. When we are giving correction, we can't live by what we feel. You know. Yeah. Uh, and you've seen it. I've been emotional in correction to you. And, you know, you mentioned it the other day. There's one time you yelled at me, Pastor, and I was like, I did yell at you, you know, and there was a reason for it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't because I was necessarily emotional in that moment towards you. The issue was you were on the edge of a cliff and you needed to wake up, and that's how I had to get your attention because you were in a very dangerous and, and uh, a predicament. And you didn't realize it. You didn't see the danger. And, but it was. There was, I mean, you know, demonic forces were trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. And you recognized that, and you saw it, and you felt that then, but you needed to hear what I was saying because I had brought correction, mm -hmm. but you thought you were right on something, and that, that what you thought were right, you were right on was was stealing, killing, and destroying you. Yeah. And it was a small thing. It was not a big thing. It was a small thing, but it was having big consequences, right? Mm -hmm. And you didn't see it, and I needed, to, I needed to wake you up. And so I got loud physically just to be like, oh, my gosh, because he's never talked to me like this before. And, and, you, and then that's what helped bring about like, oh, I've been thinking this was no big deal, but it is a big deal yeah. that caused you to wake up. Yeah. And But it wasn't that I was in my emotions angry towards you. I was just yeah. doing what the Holy Spirit led me to do to get your attention and to wake you up yeah. because you were in a more harsh danger than what you even realized yeah. at that moment. And um, so... Yeah, well, and it's important to see in that moment, um, I... In my heart, I knew that you weren't being, like, um, yeah. I knew that it was out of love. In my heart, I knew that it was right. Yeah. But it's important to see that uh, the enemy will try to influence us, especially yeah. if you've gotten yourself into kind of a hole. Yeah. You have that voice of the enemy there. So on one hand, I have, as you were correcting me, you know, there's a part of me that's like, like, oh, I don't like this. But then there's another part of me that's like, this is right. And it's yeah. important to distinguish that when you're getting corrected because um, it, it's it's like the enemy will lie and do whatever he wants to do to try to keep a hold on yeah. you and he'll try to deceive you. It always makes me laugh. I don't know who told this story, but I think someone, maybe I don't know if it happened to you or if you, but someone was trying to like deliver someone from um, like oppression or possession or something and the demonic forces literally said, um, we're all gone. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's it, in that you can see it, they were, it was trying to grasp yeah. for a hold, but you can see, oh, no, that's still the influence because, <laughs> you know, you're not, I'm not multiple people. But what I'm saying is in that moment, there, it yeah, was one trying time, to grasp. They, there's a story about that. It's like, we're not here. We're not here. <laughs> yeah. And like, then I had a story one time where a guy was possessed, and I said, uh, and you are you gone? And it said yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, ah, gotcha. Yeah. So, so you know, if there's something, what I've had to learn is, um, in in times in the past when something was trying to hold on to me, 
um, it, that influence as you were trying to help me kind of correctively, but you're trying to help me get free from right. that. As you're trying to do that, I remember we were having one conversation. I was like, oh, wow, this is really weird. Is um, We were talking about something, and I was like, you know what? I had these thoughts. I'm like, you know what? This is just... This is too big. I just can't do it. Yeah. And probably about three minutes later, I was like, you know what? It's just not a big deal. It doesn't have to be handled. And you were like, do you see that? Like, do you yeah. see that? On one hand, you're saying this is such a big deal. I can't do yeah. it. This is a big yeah. deal. And on the other hand, a minute later, you're saying this is not a big deal. I don't even, you know, yeah, you don't even need to handle it. This and, back and forth. And that, yeah. as you were trying, as you were correcting me, those yeah. were the thoughts that the enemy was bringing up just to try to hold on to it. Yeah. So that offense or that, you know, that can be a really red, that, that's an indication of it trying to stay. Yeah. If there's an yeah. issue there and I'm offended, that's probably, that's probably that, that, Huge point. that oppression or that um, just a thought from the enemy or whatever trying to stay. Yeah. And so yeah. if I'm offended or something, I need to look at that and be like, oh, that, that, yeah. Um, that's probably a hindrance to me that I need to look at. You know. Yeah, sense. well, and you have to say, you know, who do I receive correction from or what, from what do I receive correction? Of course, the Word, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us in that way. Uh, when it comes to people, you're looking for people that have the fruit of the anointing and holiness in their life. You're looking for people that have that fruit. And especially if they have the fruit of that uh, that's been going on for years and years and years. In other words, there's not been huge big gaps in the middle of it. Like they constantly are having fruit. Uh, somebody whose life itself is under control and at peace and at rest. And, and they're actually seeing the manifestation of the promises of God. That's who you follow. That's the type of person. You know, it, if you don't know somebody like that, find somebody like that. You know, find somebody who uh, is not, you know, for example, like I, I gave this example the other day. I'm, I can pray at the altar on Sunday morning, and let's say that I'm, I'm messed up, but God could still move through me for you. Yeah. Like he could be having mercy on you in spite of me. Yeah. So you want somebody that's not just carrying it in a service, but they're carrying it 24-7, and they have the fruit of the Spirit 24-7, and they're moving in power. They have love, joy, peace, you know, all the fruit of the Spirit. And so, for example, like last week, I'm having lunch with somebody, and I'm sitting right in the, in the restaurant at the table. You know, I grab his hands. He asked me to pray, and the anointing hits his body right in the middle of the restaurant, and, you know, he, he gets healed right there, you know, and uh, all the pain goes way out of his body. And, and uh, that's, the, that's the kind of thing that you want to see in people. They're carrying something. They're carrying the anointing on a regular basis. Doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean that they're never going to mess up. Who on this earth besides Jesus never messed up even after they were born again? I don't know anybody. So if you have this idea that you're going to you're going to find somebody and they're never going to mess up and they're never going to have a wrong doctrine or anything like that, you're fooling yourself in that way. Yeah. And that's not, you know, the issue is if it's the right kind of person if they mess up, they're going to correct. They're going to receive correction themselves. And sometimes you'll know about it, sometimes you won't, you know. Like last night, you know, at at the Wednesday night service, I corrected some speech 
uh, you know, I knew what I was saying, but I, I found that it was not always clear to other people. They were taking it into an absolute. So I corrected that speech so that they would know what I was saying, and make. And I will make sure that I speak it that way. Again, you're looking for people that'll do that. You want to be around people that will do that. And um, they have the fruit of the anointing, and they have the fruit of the promises manifesting in their lives, and they have the wisdom of God in operation on that. That's the kind of people um, outside of Scripture, outside of the Holy Spirit's direct leading, you want people that are being directed by the Holy Spirit with fruit that's tangible to see. So. I, I know, uh, you know, there, like this is kind of what I, I've been thinking about recently, but like when... The Bible obviously says our battle's not against flesh and blood. Right. Against principalities, rulers, right. the dark, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, when correction comes, especially when harsh correction comes. Yeah. Um, it, is it, so like sometimes, like especially if correction's coming towards me, and especially if it seems harsh, uh, it feels like a personal thing. Like you're attacking yeah. me as me, yeah. you know. But uh, would you say that a lot of times when it's harsh, you're not necessarily being harsh toward the person, but the demonic root yes. that's behind it, because that can yeah. also yeah. change the way that it's received or perceived. If, like, yeah. like, let's say someone else is being corrected, and it might seem harsh, and we might, man, why are they attacking that person? But it's, it's not, not the, the person. person. It's, yeah. it's the demonic root. And yeah. we don't... Or, and and, it, and, and maybe not just the, the demon itself, mm-hmm. but the belief or the thought process mm-hmm. that was demonically inspired... Uh, so that belief system or thought that, no, this is okay, like some of what you were saying, yeah. no, this is okay, and you're not attacking the person, you're attacking that thought. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like if you there was that unseen foe that was grabbing, and it, you know, let's say that there was somebody that you know could be invisible and they were grabbing you and holding you and everything. Well, if I go to punch this invisible guy and there's an onlooker, Right, it's gonna look like I'm hitting you, yeah. but I'm not. Because if I hit them and they got their claws in you, you're gonna be like moving yeah. too, even though I'm not. Yeah. And that's kind of the picture of what's happening in that moment. Yeah. So. Isn't that kind of what Smith Wigglesworth, you know, kind of operated in when he basically punched the spirits of infirmity? You know, like people, yeah, just, yeah. he would wind up and punch him, and they'd be healed. But yeah. you got onlookers looking, and it looks like he just wound up and socked him. Well, and that's where you want. Yeah, exactly. You that's where the person that's delivering that needs to know that yeah, they heard from God. Yeah. So you have a and y'all have heard me say it, a lot of times people will see something in the flesh that was an obedience in the spirit and they think that the fleshly action is what was anointed, but what was anointed was the spiritual action of obedience. Yeah. So if you don't have the same word that that person did and you go try to punch somebody, you're going to mess up and and you know, get sued. Yeah. Whereas, like, I, I always saw that stuff, and, you know, I had it one time. There was a guy who came, he was, like, having uh, kidney uh, kidney stones, everything. He was in serious pain. And I said, look, I said, the Lord just told me to do something. I said, I'm nervous doing it, basically, but I'm, I feel like I need to be obedient. And I said, I feel like I need to, like, you know, hit you in the stomach. I didn't ball up my fist, but I, I took it, and I, in his stomach, I, I did, you know, like that. It was It was probably stronger than that. And um, he said, he said, I'm in so much pain, I don't care what you do to just do it, you know. Yeah. And I did that. I did it, and he instantly got healed. 
right? Wow. Now, why did I need to do it that way? I don't know. Maybe that helped him receive, right? Yeah. But he instantly got healed, and all the pain went away and stayed away. Yeah. Um, but uh, you don't do that without hearing from the Holy Ghost. In the same way, you don't you don't just have a harsh reaction without hearing from the Holy Ghost. So like that moment yeah. that I, I did that with you, I don't need to just do that. You know, if I'm if I'm feeling in my emotions, fleshly emotions, I'll generally be like, all right, Nicole, you need to go talk to him because I don't need to talk to him right now because I'm not going to move in that, you know. Um, but even like we had a conversation yesterday afternoon and I was more, I, w- I was more um, aggressive. Let's, let's put it. I was harsh in that way in some of my words to you, uh, in a sense. But really, and I, I would say I sought the Lord on that. What I was trying to get you to do is, is to wake up to a few things of how you were thinking about some things. And uh, this has really been a, if you don't know, this really, and everybody, if they're growing, they go through these things. This has been a season of correction for you, and I know it's been really joyful on your flesh, but the issue is God has determined it's time for some of these things to be set right. Why? So that your future will stop staying closed. God wants to launch you, you know, into your destiny, and if you don't handle these things, you're going to miss the window, and he doesn't want you to miss the window, and so I mean, he's he's literally told me that for you in that way, and many times he tells me those things for other people. It's a win. There's a window here, and as you yield to it, you can hit that window, and if you don't yield to it, you can miss it. And so, a loving father and a loving pastor is not going to want you to miss those moments. Yeah. You know, they're not. They're not. They're going to do what it takes to help you not miss that. And, uh, I mean, look at, <laughs> I, I don't think that Jesus was missing it, but look at the heart of Mary at the, at the wedding. You know, he says, woman, my, my time has not yet come. She turns to the servants and goes, whatever he says to do, do it. Right? She's not, she knows who he is, and she knows what's in him. And a lot, many times a pastor will see that. He'll know what's in you. And what can, what's supposed to be there? He'll know what you're called to do. He'll know what anointings you have, and and the only way to draw those out is with the fire of God. Not 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 harshness. It's not the harshness that does it. But sometimes sometimes that aggressiveness and that harshness will wake us up like the prodigal son and get us to say, oh oh, oh yeah, I need to change this thinking. Why? And then kind of what happens is you kind of ask this question, like, why is this so different today? Why is he not like gentle, like normal when he talks to me? Like, and then we go, well, apparently it must be important and I'm not assigning priority to this. And so that's how that works, you know? And it's kind of like when the Lord spoke to me that one time where he said, uh, you know, I said, come boldly before the throne. And then I still sat there like, Lord, I don't want to die. And then he, he said it again, but it was stronger and more harsh. I said, come boldly before the throne. And I realized he's correcting me because I was not utilizing my rights as a child to get help when I needed help and, and apply the mercy of God and I wasn't looking at him right. I wasn't viewing him right. Uh, just like what we said last night at the Wednesday night you know, special service that we had is if I keep looking at the negative 
and I'm not looking to apply the grace of God in my life, I'm not looking at God right in that moment, and my destiny is going to flounder because I'm believing that I'm tired or I'm believing that I can't do it. I'm believing that there's, I just got too much. That's not a godly thought, you know. And so I'm looking at God wrong, and he will get more direct with us so we don't miss a window of time that we need to hit. Yeah, even in that, though, there's a love. Like, yeah. I think it, it's, I think it, people could get in the flesh with this and be like, okay, I need to prepare myself to just get, like, mentally and emotionally beat. And it's like, no, no that's not what's no. happening at all. Because even in that where God, God was correcting you, I said, come boldly. Like, yeah. he's saying, come to my throne where I'm going to give you things. <laughs> like, yes, I'm going to give you right. help. <laughs> like, I'm going yeah. to give you mercy. I'm going to give you grace. And, and uh, sometimes correction is... I've noticed is receive love better. <laughs> like yeah. there have been times where you, you and Pastor Nicole, uh, a while back, I remember you corrected me and you're like, we love you. Like you don't see that. Like you need to see that. And yeah. that's correction yeah. too is you need to receive love. <laughs> like you need yeah. to receive love in the correction. You need to receive love from people and from you. Like I know, yeah. I know people, uh, people who are attached to the body and boomerang and everything. Like I know, we could all could grow in receiving love from each other better. Yes. And receive love yeah. from you better, Pastor Nicole yeah. better, because there's so much love that you guys have for us. There's so much love that God has for us. And yeah. um, even that needs to be corrected. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, our reception, remember, we're in a whole series talking about receiving. And mm-hmm. so we can't give if we don't receive. And so if we're constantly thinking, well, they don't love me. They don't think anything of me. They think I'm a, just a mess up and everything then your heart that you're bringing towards that leader is what you're going to get, even though it may not be so. Think about the parable of the talents. Was God's heart hard like the man thought? No, No, not at all. But he received a hard-hearted father, basically, not because God was that, but because that's what he believed God was. And so when we look at our leaders and think, well, they just think I'm I'm a mess up and everything, then you're going to receive that as a self-fulfilling belief. And so we've got to approach that in a different way and stop thinking that. And so, like, you know, the other day, I don't know, a week or two ago, you and I were talking in the car, and I think at the beginning of the conversation, you thought I was, like, mad at you or, or you know, upset or you looked like you weren't good enough or something like that. But it was, And then all of a sudden... Um, we get to the end of the conversation, and I, the Lord just tells me what to tell you. And like, man, I love you. I believe in you. I do all this. And and you felt the love of God in that moment sitting in the car, and you're like, oh, man. And you start to realize that's been the same heart the whole time. It's not different because I have to give you a correction. You know, It's not different because God has to give us a correction that he doesn't love us. You know, that we're not valuable, that we don't mean something. No, he's given us the correction because he does love us. He sees that in us, and he wants to draw us to those places. And he doesn't want our idiosyncrasies or what we have been weak in in the flesh to hold us back from our destiny. Yeah. He wants He wants us to recognize those and put those down so that we can fulfill the great purposes that he's got planned for us and not not have calamity, but for us to fare well. But the only way 
The only way to fulfill those things is for us to individually yield to that correction in humility and receive that love. Think about this. Think about it. If we're not receiving correction, we are literally telling love, no. We're blocking the love of God from doing its work in our life, which is going to always take us backwards. But if we'll actually say, no, I want your love because correction is love, I want your love, now we're inviting love to do its work, and we can, and we can fulfill those things. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, speaking on, like, uh, thoughts, we're talking about thoughts, uh, Kelly Brody asked in the comments, are those negative thoughts about ourselves vain imagination? Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's vanity. It, it's it's um, identifying with the opposite of what God has said about you. So that is an imagination of pride. I know more about me that I'm not worth anything, even though he said I am worth something. And your thought is trying to vault itself above the truth of God's word. Yes, it's a vain imagination. Yes. So I wrote, you know, and I'll read this again. Have you ever seen someone making bad choices and someone tries to save them without the other person's heart actually changing? It, it's enabling. And that person will go right back to the wrong choice because their heart is the same. We have the prodigal son, you know, which, God, as soon as he woke up, everything went so well. Yeah. Everything went so well. And I said, don't save people from conviction. Yeah. Don't save people from conviction. You know, I watch parents all the time. Where it, It's amazing to me because we've adopted this as a society. I watch parents and their children now, you know, they'll, they'll grow up, they'll do this, and they save them every time they hit a, a rough spot. And they save them. They'll, they'll buy a car. They'll pay for their house and everything. Stop. Stop. They're having a rough time because they made wrong decisions. Stop saving them. The Lord, there's a system that God set up where they need to wake up. Stop yeah. saving them from that. That's enabling them to keep making that bad decision. You're prolonging it. Um, and, I, and then I wrote this. Don't save yourself from conviction. <laughs> <laughs> don't save yourself from conviction. Yeah. How do we do that? Well, we make excuses. Well, I know that I blew the horn at that guy, but, but, but what? That was your flesh, you know. Well, I blew the horn at him to save him. Okay, I can see that, but, but the issue is God's actually convicting you right now. You know, it, it's kind of like, here, let me give you an example. You know, you got somebody, they're, they're uh, a horn blower in their driving, and they're going down the road, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they honk at everybody, like, can't believe you pulled out in front of me. You know, can't believe you did that. And, and they do that, and then all of a sudden, somebody from church or their pastor rides with them. And I don't know anybody that's done this recently, so I'm not thinking about anybody directly. If you did this, I've forgotten it at this moment, okay? So praise the Lord. I can say that in all honesty. 
So all of a sudden, uh, you know, pastor gets in the car and their default is to blow the horn <laughs> in their flesh. Like, I can't believe you cut me off. Or, that light's been green for 0.56 seconds, you know. <laughs> How dare you sit still and hold me back for a half second. <laughs> you know, and uh, they do that. And then all of a sudden, conviction comes on them. Oh, pastor's in the car. Dang it, you know. I just, I just showed my flesh. <laughs> and then what do we do? In that moment, what does our flesh want to do? The same thing in the garden. It's that woman you gave me. You know, <laughs> it's, it's that woman you gave me, Lord. Now, our flesh wants to blame something else, so it makes excuses like, well, they just, you know, I was afraid that if they didn't go right now, they could back up all the other traffic. Come on, come on, man. Come on. And, but we'll, we'll justify it somehow, some way in our mind, like just receive the conviction. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I missed that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm sorry, Jesus. Yeah. I need to work on it. Receive the conviction, right? <laughs> don't don't save yourself from conviction. Uh, another one. One thing that I've noticed um, that people do to save themselves from conviction is to kind of joke it off, too. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like any time. Well, here, here's a hopefully not two-pointed you know, illustration, but like whenever a minister talks about, you know, eating healthy. Yeah. Or yeah. like, hey, you know, you, you got to be wise with the decisions that you make. A lot of times, yeah. oh, well, that's towards me, Pastor. You know, and they'll <laughs> joke it off. To, instead of fully instead receiving, of receiving it. the correction. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, well, right. you know, I just love my bacon or whatever. You know, I just, you know, I'm, that's me, you know, but like Great people kind yes. of joke that off and then, yeah. and then let the conviction fall off with humor. Yep. You know, obviously, you know, we want to receive things with joy, but we don't want to reject things with humor. You know, that, that's there's right. a difference. And I, I've seen that happen before. That's a great, great point. And, that, and that's exactly. So we're, we're not letting the conviction hit home. Yeah. We're saving ourselves from the conviction of God in those moments. And, in that, and so what are we doing? We're actually rejecting correction in that moment. Because if we don't receive it fully, then are we truly willing? So to receive only a part of it, it's not really being willing. So we're not being willing and obedient. Yeah. Right? Kevin had a comment. He was talking to you. He had some revelation. Um, it's passed up there, but um, pulling up. He said, recently <laughs> I have been sheepish around you and Pastor Nicole because I believed you were disappointed with me. I now realize there's no way you would not correct me if you were so, if you were so, so why be sheepish now? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's no, there's, you know, I, it's interesting. It's so interesting to me, the number of people that feel like uh, they're, that somebody's disappointed in them. Like not just around us, like that's a constant deception that people will will have. Like if you made a major mistake and you made a bad decision, okay, I'm disappointed in that decision, but I still love you. I just want you to correct the decision. That's all. But yeah. am I do I not believe in you because you missed it? No, I believe in you. You're not like you're not like a, a eternal disappointment now. You're not in like this clad in your class or this category of eternal, oh, there's that person. They disappointed, they disappointed me. You remember that one time, you know, and they're constantly stereotyped as the yeah. disappointment. 
it's amazing to me how many people, how many, well, it'd be hard to see on here, but if I asked how many people felt like they were a disappointment to their leaders at times, it would pretty much be everybody, I think. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not how we think at all. You know, that's not. But, and, and then what does that show us? What that shows us is that when the correction comes, we keep seeing the hard-hearted father instead of the tender-hearted father. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're looking with the wrong eyes. That shows, because I'm telling you, that's not the way it is. And even if you mess up, like, we're going to forgive you. And then, you know, I've said this multiple times. You know, I've had people cuss me out, and we still love them and, and would accept them right back, you know, into the body. Like, it's so... I mean, I've had people say some ugly stuff, and ugly stuff to me, and um, over the years, and uh, you know, that's just not the heart of God in that way. Like, okay, I might not trust you with my kids right now, you know, to to watch my kids if you got that mouth on you, but um, at the same time, like, am I going to love on you and try to help you, and yeah, for the rest of your life. I'll never stop doing that. That's what that's what Christ does with us. I'm not, you know, I might be disappointed in the moment, but we yeah. can get by that quick. Oh, yeah. you, you know, as soon as you make a re, a repentance and a turn of that, you know, that's done. Yeah, that's that's done. Like if it's done, but a lot of times people carry that condemnation for months afterwards because they're they're just carrying it. So one other thing I said is don't save yourself from conviction. Excuses, good intentions. You know, good intentions. Like, well, I, I would have done this. I meant to do this. This is what I really meant by that. It doesn't really matter what you really meant by it. What matters is what did people see? You know, what did what is the reality? I don't care what you meant by it. I meant lots of good things that were wrong, yeah. you know, lots of good. So a lot of times we'll say, well, I, because I had good intentions, that it it wasn't, I don't need to correct that. No, you do need to correct that because we're to abstain from the appearance of evil. And so we do need to correct those things. We need to receive the correction of God. So don't, don't, you know, deflect correction by good intentions or deflect it with humor or deflect it, uh, you know, with what I said before, excuses, any kind of excuse. Um, You know, we won't, or here's another way that we deflect correction correction and this is the whole point today is how to not get in the way of growth here's another one uh watch this let's say uh i don't know i'm trying to think of something it would be real let's just say that okay all right here's here's one that people could people could say Let's say that you were in danger, like we talked about, and this was a real situation. Let's talk about you're in danger. You're in danger right now. You're not waking up to it. And the Lord directs me to get loud and what looks like harsh uh, to you, but it's not in private. It happens to be out in public because there's a very uh, immediate danger to you. And I get loud. And then let's say that Buddy's looking on at that, and he sees me correct you. Actually, it has. <laughs> it did happen. <laughs> okay. Do you um, remember that it happened right there? <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is real. 
Oh yeah, I remember that. Now. I, rem- I remember it, that. Literally, now. I remember you saying it. Literally, was immediate. It needed to happen. Right That's then. right. That That's day was immediate. That's right. I'd, I'd forgotten about that. So, see, and that's what I mean, like that correction, like I'm not even remembering that. <laughs> You're remembering I'm not remembering that. That's Why? Because I don't remember that when you're forgiven, like God keeps no record of wrong. Yeah. So I'm not like sitting here thinking, like, I remember that time you were right <laughs> over there. Like most of the time, I don't even keep those records of that stuff. Yeah. People say, you remember when I did this? I'm like, no, no, yeah. because if you're actually moving in love properly, you forget that stuff. Like, it doesn't bother you. Why? Because it's not a weight to you. You've already forgiven it, premeditated forgiveness. It falls right off of you right in that moment. I didn't remember you had done that. So, but here's the thing. So, all right, real situation. I correct you, and it's harsh. He doesn't know all the reasons why. Let's say that the onlooker doesn't know all the reasons why I did that. He doesn't know all the spiritual things that you might have been going through. They know... It could be any one of these reasons or all of these reasons. He doesn't see, the onlooker doesn't see the danger, the immediate danger that you're in, so he doesn't realize why was that harshness necessary, right? And so because he doesn't understand that, then that person judges me as like, man, I think he was too hard on Marky. And then two days later, I need to correct him. And so now you have real godly correction that because of who's correcting you, you're not listening. But that doesn't mean it's not godly. And, and that doesn't mean that you were right in the judgment in the first place, but many times we won't receive correction because of who it's coming from. So I watch this in religious circles all the time. Well, you're that weird church. You're that Pentecostal church, so you're telling me to have faith. I just I don't believe that that's the way it should be because I don't believe, I don't agree with your doctrine I don't agree with your doctrine, and so I don't have to listen to anything that you say. Well, that doesn't mean I can't hear from the Lord. doesn't mean I can't hear from the Lord for you in that way. Um, so I watch people like, well, I disagree with their doctrine, so they won't listen to anything that person says because their doctrine's different. Like, okay, maybe they are off in this area, but that doesn't mean that they're off in this one. Yeah. You know, And so it's important for us to not avoid and deflect correction because of who's saying it either. If it's God, it's God, and you need to recognize that and see that. And we need to get into the place where we can receive correction and not deflect growth, not deflect correction in that way. Yeah. Um, something that I've heard Barrett say, and I have, as of this point, I've been able to see it, is um, there's, a, there's a love and a, and a mercy and something that you'll find when you open up to your leader and let yes. all of that happen. Yes. Because oh, my goodness. now, like, in the past, um, I probably was actually even more, I, I was even more sheepish around you in the past. Right. Because I, you know, I've, I'm like, well, he doesn't really know, like, how, like, he, I mean, he, if he really knew, like, me that well, he probably would be disapproving, and I kind of had maybe whatever. But... Self-condemnation. Yes. And um, And sin consciousness. Sin consciousness. Now, this uh, probably, like, this past year, last year, I think it was, or I don't know when it was exactly, um, I went through some really rough moments as as I was getting free, as I was getting a clarity 
and my flesh, like we were saying, who, who's the source of those feelings at the moment? Or the, so I had that moment where, okay, the enemy was trying to keep a hold on me. So he was, in a last attempt, he was really making my flesh scream. He was really yeah. making me not want to get free. So I was very irrational. I was very stupid. I was, I was not myself. And you and Pastor Nicole saw all of that. And other people saw it maybe a little bit, but especially you guys. You right. really saw that. Right. You saw me at a really, really low point. And there were times in that there were moments of correction that needed to happen. Right. But also because I was so vulnerable with you guys of letting you see me at such low places, every time I was always met with love every single yeah. time. And now I'm, it, it has helped me to know you have seen me at such a low place. And, and still loved you. And you still love yeah. me. You're not treating me any differently or anything no. like that. So I think it it's it's really good to just kind of like get over that hump there of let let's just go all Very out. Very much. Let's yeah. just let you see everything because once we can get that, there's a strength of I yeah. know that you will still love me no matter yeah. what. And it allows you to actually grab that correction quicker, which allows you to grow and go forward quicker as well. It, it, you stop being held back with that. Now, and I will say uh, very much so, you can't do that with everybody. Like, you should not do that with everybody. Many times, one of, one of the things that we'll say is, like, you take negatives and problems upward, but you don't take them sideways. So you don't take problems complaints to your peers you take them upward you don't if you have a problem with leadership you don't you don't bring that to the side you don't take that to your peers if you have a problem with your life that you need to fix and you need to confess it you don't bring those to your peers in that way you bring it upward first god may tell you to share and confess your sins to your brother which there's scriptures about that but mainly that is for that leader that has the maturity to handle those things right because a mature leader is going to be able to take your i mean you you might would be surprised at the confessions that nicole and i have heard over the years you you would probably be surprised at all of the things we've heard where people have sinned it's shocking actually and we're not talking about a ten thousand member church you know we're talking about small town you know, 100 members for the most part, and um, we've seen pretty much every sin under the sun confessed to us over time. And uh, it's, it's somewhat surprising, and yet we still respond with love. You can't do that with everybody. You shouldn't do that with everybody, but when you find that person that will handle it correctly, and like your testimony right now helps a lot of people to be like, oh, like they really saw her at a low point? Yeah, we did. You're, you're saying that, not me. You know, I agree with you, but it's you're the one who's making that testimony. And yet, as you came through that, we're loving you the same. We're believing in you even more because you yielded. It actually shows maturity, which means I can actually open up more stuff to you because that's maturity. And uh, But one of the things I think, and this is neat, and I've seen you have this multiple times, and it's a great thing is, you know, there's multiple times you and I are having conversations and I've brought some correction on something. And um, and you're feeling like I'm disappointed in you and I am you know don't love you and maybe I'm doing it wrong. 
And then as the conversation progresses, like the love of God hits you in that moment and you see, oh man, he really does love me. And like, and I've watched you even tear up and say, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, you can you can add to this or confirm it, but basically, Pastor, I was thinking the wrong things about you. And I see your love for me. And I and then you've gone on to say, I apologize for how I was thinking about you. You know, you've said that multiple times. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, it blesses me so much. But what is that? That's recognizing, all right, this is a person that's going to love me regardless, which is what God's love should do. This is a person that's going to love me regardless, and I can give my garbage to to get help with it and bring it. That's the way we should be as believers. Not everybody has that testimony. Not everybody's like that. But when you find them, those are the people that you can bring those to. Is that true, what you found? Something that's helped me is there have been a few times where uh, my flesh tried to say something similar of like, oh, he's mad at me. Or uh, I've had the thought of, oh, he was too harsh with me or something like that. And I was honest and I brought it to you and I said, honestly, like I had this thought that like you were being really harsh with me and like I don't understand why or something like that. And it helped a lot to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, many, a couple of times I know that you've done that and I've gone, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm like, oh, I thought, were you mad at me? And you're like, no. No, (laughs) not at all. And so in between whatever happened and when you brought it back up to me, it's like the devil feeds us this idea that everybody doesn't like me, I'm so bad, I'm I'm all this, and now that person's mad at me, and they're not mad at us at all. They're not even thinking about us in that way. And now we're sitting there in condemnation like, oh, I've messed up, I'm this, and they're like, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. that's the deception yeah. that the devil tries to get us in that condemnation. And so that we'll shut down to, you know, we'll shut down to any kind of conviction. We'll shut down to correction. And then it's it completely stunts our growth. So, amen. Y'all have anything else to add? Yeah. No, it's just, <laughs> I, I know it's been good. And every even a- after all of that, after the correction and stuff, I've always seen growth and more peace and more... Yeah. more love and more joy in my life and I can yeah. I like I've like we said I've had moments of decently harsh correction and I've always seen immediate love on the other side of it yeah. love not just yeah. from you but from God and it yeah. was God's love coming through it so it's not a scary thing at all it's no, it's no, a wonderful no. thing like I yeah. like I the image that I saw a couple uh, days ago of like the house being built to be even more beautiful that's right yeah so. that was a great that was a great analogy I love what Lisa says. She said, I'm learning to open up to my leaders more and more every day. I've not been really good at it, but I'm improving. That's awesome, Lisa. And then uh, she said, our pastors love us no matter how many times we've missed it. They just they just help us fix where we've missed it. That's it. That's it. And, uh, you know, who, think about this, too. Who's not going to miss it at some point? You know, I mean, odds are, I'm not confessing that, but the odds are, the odds are somebody's going to miss it. The odds are everybody that's hearing this and everybody that's speaking, including me, is probably going to miss it in some way. Why? Because there's stuff I don't know. And if I don't know it, then I'm going to probably miss it. And, and so, okay, let's just face that. If I miss it, God's merciful. He'll forgive me. I'm moving on. I'll make the correction. 
When I miss it, I'll, I just I give myself, I yield myself. This is something that we can do together. Is like, Lord, if I miss it, I'm saying right now, I'm going to correct it, receive forgiveness for it, and move on. Mm-hmm. If I miss it, I'm going to correct it, receive forgiveness for it, and move on. It might be yeah. might be this order. I'm going to, if I miss it, I'm going to get forgiveness for it, correct it out of his forgiveness and his love, and move on. I'm going to get forgiveness for it, correct it, and move on. And if we would get good at that, we would progress through this growth so fast. But we've got to get better at correction. And we we have to see that our society is not set up for that to be the norm. Our society is not set up for that to be the norm. I can remember as a pastor, I, I got out of the Marines in the year 2000. And we started the church in 2009, and that was a lot of years of me softening, softening, nine years of softening. And then we started the church, and I just, like, brought some little bitty correction. Like, it wasn't even hard correction. Like, it wasn't anywhere close to what you're talking about. And the only reason we could do that with you is because you had matured to the point where you knew that we loved you enough. To say that. If you didn't know that, I would the Holy Spirit would have never told me to do that. And right? it was not against me, it was against the things. Yeah, that yeah, was you were being attacked. You were being attacked much more than people knew. And so, but here I am, I'm softening for nine years, and I get into the church and I start and I start bringing correction. And man, people were so mad. Oh my God. I had a guy cuss me, cuss me, and cuss me out because I told him, I said, this, this is basically what I told them. The decision that you're making, I think it seems small to you, but I think it's bigger than what you realize. And I perceive in the Holy Ghost that if you make this decision, it's going to have a major effect on your life in a negative way. And I think you should reconsider that. That's basically what I told him. Well, he got so mad. Who are you to tell us what? Started cussing me. And made the decision. Well, guess what happened? Exactly what I saw came to pass. I'd seen it correctly. The life really fell off the the rails. I mean, it blew up bad, bad, bad. What I'd seen was exactly the truth. But man, they didn't see it. And I realized, like, our society is so far away from being corrected. Like, he, you know, I was given that in all love, and he, uh, that the pride was so strong, and no, you shouldn't be correct. Now, what I didn't understand at that point that I understand now was he had not yielded any subjectiveness or submissiveness to me at all. He had not committed to me as a pastor, and I actually stepped a step too far. Today, I would have never said that to that guy, even though it was true and God wanted to save him from because he had not yielded humility. I know I can't make that statement in somebody's life unless God tells me to directly or they have yielded on a on a very present basis humility uh, to me as a leader in their lives. If they've not done that, I can't speak to them that way. That's why I'll tell people, people will say, well, just if you see me messing up, tell me. I can't do that. That's not the way that works. If you, I, what I'll tell people is you keep coming in humility and ask lots of questions. Because your asking of questions and longing for that and pulling that out shows your humility. Remember in Matthew 11, it says, Jesus doesn't say, I will come to you and make your way easy. Jesus says, 
come to me and take my yoke. That, in other words, we submit ourselves to God's way and to his people that he's put in our lives and to do it his way, not I'm coming to you and I'll make your way easy, your way easy. No, you come to me and do it my way and it'll be easy and light. And so all of that is one way is I'm expecting God to come do it my way. The other one is, Lord, I humble myself to you and I'm going to do everything your way. And so when we come to our, our pastor, we've got to recognize that and say, I'm coming to you. You know, you can't do this with every pastor because every pastor doesn't have a balance of this. Some pastors take advantage of that power and they've done it wrong and people have been hurt. But that doesn't mean that you don't find one that's doing it right. You find one that's doing it right and you and you submit in that way. And when the outcome is love and love and love and love and there's manifestation of the things of God, that's the kind of person that you can follow. That's the kind of person you can submit to. And you come in that way and you keep asking questions. Hey, do I need to do I need to fix this? Like the Holy Spirit's bringing this up. What do you think about this? What do you think about this job opportunity? What do you think about starting this business? What do you think about buying this car? What do you think about buying this house? These are all major life decisions. And a lot of times a pastor will have a leading because they're anointed to have an oversight of our lives. And uh, you can tap into that. You know, one of the greatest testimonies of that is where Barrett and George came uh, one year for their anniversary. I think it was their first anniversary. And they said, Pastor, we're thinking about going on this cruise. Do you have any thoughts on it? Probably 90 times out of 100, you know, nine times out of 10, I would have said, no, have any checks, have fun, you know, enjoy yourself. This time, I did. I said, I I got a check on it, and I don't know why. And uh, I don't, you know, it's not what I want to tell you because I want you to go and go to this special place and have your anniversary on this week. Well, turns out, that week that they would have gone, a major hurricane hit it and everything was flooded. And so their whole vacation would have been ruined. God knew it. And they, but they would, have, they would have been right in the middle of it had they not come and yielded to pastor at that moment. You know? yeah. uh, but the Lord saved them because they subjected themselves in humility. And that's what the word says. When we submit ourselves, he gives us grace and greater grace. And uh, why would we not want to have that? Uh, the the deception is that the Lord's that the um, the devil tells people, not the Lord. The devil tells people is like, well, I can hear from God myself. That's one of the major deceptions. Of course, you can. The issue is, yeah, you can, but why do you want to? Or do you want to have other people's grace overflowing into your life besides just your own? Second, second of all, yeah, you can hear from God to yourself. But, you know, well, they're just trying to control me. No, it's a confirmation. This should be in your spirit first as you grow and learn in this. It's a confirmation in that. So all of this is correction, and it opens up the, the ceiling for us to hit the heights of God's plan for us. And that's where we want to live. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you get something out of this today and this week? has been a great week. Good gracious, the time. Yep. <laughs> Holy moly, it's Marky's fault. (laughs) But he didn't say much today. It was Marky. Marky did it. Marky did it. No. You're welcome. Mr. Wilson, thanks a lot, Marky. You're welcome. Listen, Father, we just right now, we yield ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to your way. 
we praise you and we worship you. Lord, we just humble ourselves to you in your way. Lord, let us not deflect correction, but let us receive your correction and your correction only with open arms and open hearts so that we can grow and we can remove all the ceilings in Jesus' name. And Father, right now, anybody, if you want to give, you, you basically know the deal. Go to giveww.org. Father, anybody who's sowing today, they don't have to, but when they yield to you to give and to partner, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let it be supernaturally blessed and multiplied in every way. Return to them supernaturally quick in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it and we praise you. Amen. 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 We love you so very much. We've spent enough time, so we're gonna get gone. Uh, but huh? We're gonna do we're gonna do the outro just so you know. Yes, yeah. Abigail, take it away. We love you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We're gonna do it though. Oh no, you are gonna do do it. it. Yeah, we're gonna do it. Yeah. Okay, so we just wanna let you know this weekend, it's the time has come. It is a the time has come. The time has come. The time has come for the Easter egg hunt. It's going to be awesome. This Saturday, we're like, what is it, Thursday? We're two days away. This Saturday, between 1 and 3 here on the Boomerang Church grounds, we're having an Easter egg hunt of 13,000 eggs. That is a lot of eggs. We're going to have games and a cotton candy machine and a popcorn machine. It's going to be awesome. Really great. Are you excited? I'm excited. <laughs> You're excited. <laughs> yeah. And then the day after this Sunday is Resurrection Day. Yeah. Resurrection Sunday, Easter. So if you do not have a home church, a place where you are planted, you can come and worship with us at 10 a.m. here in Albemarle. We're going to have a great service celebrating our resurrected king. We're also going to have a family photo booth or friends, friends photo booth uh, set up for you to take pictures with anybody you might bring, any guests or anybody here. Uh, So that's going to be really awesome. But tomorrow is Friday. Yes. It is our last day for Lunch Plus for this week. So uh, make sure to join us. We'll have, what do we have tomorrow for a game? Uh, We have... Guess that sound. We have, uh, what is that thing? Yeah, guess that sound. That's one of my favorites right now. So make sure to come back tomorrow. And if you have not subscribed, subscribe. If you have not turned on notifications, turn on notifications, like the video, comment. But thank you for all of your support and for the two people that subscribed today. Thank you. Thank you for helping us hit 300. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Another mile marker that we hit. So thank you guys for everything that you do. We love you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.